And so this morning, we're starting a new sermon series um, called How to Worship a King. Um, now, I want to, um, I can't overestimate the importance of us worshiping God, amen? But then when we look at Jesus, we look at the Holy Spirit, we look at the Father, we are, I'm, I'm so overwhelmed by just the knowledge that we do have, but I'm very overwhelmed by the knowledge of Him we don't possess, and we still don't have of Him. Do you know that we'll never know God fully on earth? Do you know that there's things of Him that we'll only find out later? The things that He wants to us to understand, we will definitely grasp that. We will be able to know it. We'll be able to walk in it. But this morning, we're going to delve into the Word of God, but just, just the knowledge of, of worshiping a king. I don't know if you have been watching um, the death of, um, of, a, of, of the queen in England and then the inauguration of the new king. Have you, have you watched that? It is a mouthful. Have you seen what they do there? There's things to be ascribed, there's things to be uh, carried, there's things that walk, but there is a respect and an, and, a, and an honor that's given to that king. Amen? But how much more the king that you and I serve? When I was a small boy, uh, the kingship of God was the thing that caught me. And in the fathership, that, that he's not only a king and a God that can, that can proclaim things and speak things and, into life. No, no. He was a king ruling over me. That was such an incredible part and moment for me to understand as a young boy. Um, but this morning, um, I want us to see what we're going to flow into for the couple of weeks that is coming. And so how to worship a, a king in preparing your heart and then preparing the world and then preparing the way. See, there's something that when our hearts are understanding what God's kingship brings in worship, it changes us. And then we prepare others with the same message that you received from the changing. We testify about it, just like Moritz did with the, with the youth event and the youth camp. People come back changed. And then what happens? Then we prepare a way for the king that is coming back for a second time. He's coming. I don't know if you know. He's coming back. Oh, our Lord is coming back. The first time he came, and we spoke about this last year a lot, first time he came to save, seek and save the lost. He's giving us that mandate as well. But when he comes a second time, he comes to fetch his children, and he comes to judge the world. And that is apparent uh, from, the, from the beginning of the Old Testament into the New Testament, that Jesus is coming a second time. And so this is exciting for me. Prepare your heart, prepare the world, and then prepare the way for the king. Amen? And so Eddie Hyatt said this. He said, someone said this, that we, when we pray, we are occupied with our needs. When we praise and give thanks, we are occupied with our blessing and the blessings that we receive. But when we worship, we are occupied with only with God. So there's something in worship 
that we need to understand it's nothing like praise. When we dance in front of the king, and next week, um, I'm so excited, Belinda Wrigley from our, from our Rosebank Church is going to come and explain praise and worship and, and dancing and why we use our hands and why we clap and what the effect is in the spirit. That's not today, that's next week. Today we're going we're gonna to speak about what it's not, what is worship not, but what is worship. And so for me as a boy growing up, God has made me this way that I feel really intensely. I don't know why. I start screaming when I'm preaching. I cry in ads. I, mean, I feel people's hearts. So my wife uh, um, ministered to the, to the ladies at the, at the ladies' camp about uh, uh, the, um, uh, the gifts of, of what, what is it? The, uh, sorry? The redemptive gifts, yes. And one of the redemptive gifts that I received is, is the gift of mercy. Uh, I have a heart of mercy, but I also experience, when someone speaks to me, I experience what they're feeling so intensely. And sometimes when I carry it too long, I, I fall over. I just want to die. I say, Lord, you come and fetch me. I can't carry this anymore. And so I, when someone tells me something, I grieve with them. When there's excitement, I'm very glad for them and with them. It's almost like it's happening to me. And the intensity of that gift helps me to, to minister to people. But it also sometimes helped me to worship to God where I understand that as a leader of a church, I cannot carry these things on my own. And oh, the God, God of, of, uh, of the heavens and the earth, the Father of us, but the King comes and but sometimes He just lets, allows me to sit on His lap and go, Marinus, it's not all about you. Show them to me. Let them experience me. Introduce them to See, there's something about the kingship of God that if we do it correctly, that our children will follow going, that is the king. Do you know what's interesting about the generations uh, in, in, in England? They all know who the king is, but they all know how to bow before him. They know, they know what to do and not what to do, uh, what to do and not what not to do. I almost fell over that one. But there's something about the presence of God that is only found in the kingship of, of God. We go, there's things that we learn about the lordship. There's things that we learn about, about his, his godliness. But then when we see him as king, it is incredible. So for me, growing up, worship and music, I felt it intensely when I always wanted to know what the motive was of, of people writing their music and worship specifically. And when I started worshiping, um, as, the, as, the, as the vehicle of worship... Uh, I loved it so much. I had an incredible teacher that helped me to understand it. Um, and as one of the only forms given to humanity uh, to engage the Trinity um, uh, in, in worship, body, soul, spirit, mind, it encapsulates everything that you and I am. I don't know if you've experienced worship like that. You put a worship song at home, you've got a special one. My grandfather loved as a deer. Every time Opa Marinus listened to As a Deer, he, I, there was, was the only time I saw that um, military man cry. Something happens when it connects with us, amen? Um, and so, if one of the, the parts of engaging in worship is our mouths and singing and our bodies and everything that encapsulates us as humans... There is also something when, when, when what it's not, what people made it to be. 
And, and, I, and I want to go into that because music is the most powerful antenna of the soul. Do you know that? Um, music moves us. It changes the way that we're thinking. But it's not the way of worship alone. And so when I look at it, um, I realize that sometimes we've taught our church the wrong way. And I want to say a few things right today. So there's this um, moment that I have grew up in worship uh, camps where we went away for worship camps a whole weekend. And everyone that went was able to worship that weekend. You had a slot. It was, there was teachings and there was moments of lying on our faces. And there were moments of praising God with, with our instruments. But everyone got a chance. And, and then there was this boy that came in and, oh, it was terrible. He had this one great worship session, and then this guy came in, and, and I think he barely knew three chords, and, and he wasn't on note, and it was terrible. And then the, the guy that, that, that organized this worship event would walk out in front and go, oh, you're doing so well. Just keep on going. Just keep on going. You're doing so well. And then I would be, what? Are you hearing this? It's bad. It's not good, but I was missing something. And so, someone came to me once when I was, when I was growing into worship leading, um, and they came to me and they said, oh, um, your music, I love your music, it's so incredible. And, and in that moment, I was like, it's, it was good, but it wasn't that good. And I know that they meant well, um, they're trying to put words to something that they can't, um, their vocabulary doesn't allow them to say what they wanted to say, but, and then it comes, the, word, the, the, the praise comes to me. And so, because they experience something of God, amen? Something the church has not prepared them to describe or word it or to give enough vocabulary to it of what we are supposed to give when we experience it. Why? Because when music hits, it's one thing. But when the Holy Spirit comes and it allows us to, to feel that God is here and we're in the presence of Him, that's different. Anyone can sing songs, but not everyone can accumulate and, and bring in and open up the heavens, uh, um, uh, I want to almost say, to the point where we experience His presence firsthand. They have experienced worship that day. That's why they came to me. But it wasn't about me. And because God responds only to wor true worship, listen to this, they have experienced God's presence. God responds to true worship and gives us his presence. Does that make sense? And when last did you and I really experience his presence in our true worship? When was the last time you and I built in to our busy schedule in a seven-day rhythm time for God to be encountered with? When last did we do that? We have really done our congregations uh, a great disservice um, by allowing them to think that worship is a type of music. If I look at the music industry, uh, and we are categorized as worship music, or even gospel for that matter. That's not gospel music. You know what the gospel is. Go and read your Bible. Matthew, Mark, 
John, Luke, Acts. Go and read what the gospel is. That's not gospel music. It's just music geared towards Christian people, isn't it? And so, the mistake that we can make is that we characterized it. If worship is only music, then it's just styles and volumes and um, what we want, what makes us feel good. Now we've got Christian music in all genres. And that scares me sometimes. We want to be um, relevant, but sometimes we lose the presence for what it sounds like. Amen? It can be consumed by uh, a human audience. If, we wor- if worship is only music, we can, we can judge it under is it pleasing or appropriate. And then we, when we can go, well, it's displeasing and it's inappropriate. It's, it's, not, it's not appealing to me. So then I can make the decision on where or when I worship. We decide whether we will engage in that worship on the account of what we hear. So either it's pretty or it's not, but that guy in that tent that day taught me a big lesson. He went, it's not about what I hear, it's what about what I hear. Hear. It's about the motive of our hearts. So if a song does not express my preferred style or reflect what I want to receive in my worship, I just don't participate. That is bad culture. That is not godly at all. Do you hear what I'm saying? Reached out to, to uh, um, in Thailand uh, a couple of years back, and the worship was atrocious. <laughs> it was so unpalatable, I couldn't, and God said to me, why are you here? I felt like I heard his voice inside of my, it came out from my stomach into my, my chest area, and I fell to the floor. I didn't get up. I couldn't get up, and I worshiped God. I, I, I kid you not, there was, there was um, things coming out of my nose and my mouth that shouldn't come out while worshiping, but I couldn't move. God kept me there. He let me experience his presence, and it wasn't about what I heard. It wasn't about how good the music was. It wasn't about the quality of the sound. It was the depth of the worship that was brought. When I woke up, everyone else was lying on the floor. Speaking about that type of worship. Speaking about a point where the problem comes in. If we worship, if it is just music or just just dancing or just things that we have applied worship to, just the vehicles of it, and we worship that thing, we will ultimately just be spectators and consumers, people. Church, listen to me. You will become your own God. Deciding when and where you will worship. No, no, that's bad. Once I was invited to from a and one worship leader to me into a small group. It was a birthday party. I wasn't excited because we had some beef with each other. It wasn't a good relationship. And he invited us, and then I was sort of caught unawares, and, 
And if you catch me unawares, I'm immediately mad. I don't know if you work that way. If you haven't prepared me for something that's, that's going to either embarrass or allow me to participate, I'm super mad. I don't want to be included at all. I'm an includer. I want to be. I want to do that. But ultimately, in that moment, in that birthday moment, we were expected to worship. But in my spirit, I wasn't okay with this worship leader. We weren't sitting together around the same fire. Things were not, I was not happy about the situation I was put, placed into because they knew where we were in that relationship. I was mad. You know what happened? I stepped out of that moment. Catherine said to me, she's never seen me being this dishonoring. I got home, got into my um, um, secret place with God, and God says, if you ever do that again, I'll take away the anointing. Was that unfair? Was that an unfair expectation? In other words, if we judge any form of vehicle in worship in that way, if worship is from people and for them, if people are the objects of that worship, we are God unto ourselves. And I think we've done ourselves a great disservice. See, it's not just spending time with God in the week. It's not just the, the matter of reading your Bible and Scripture, coming to church. It's all facets of it. But you know, true worship is found in that place where no one looks and you can be undignified in the way that you can. I remember when I was a student, I would put over my one shoulder um, a towel I'll get a big bucket. I was 19 years old. I'd switch off all the lights in my flat because the flats were built very closely together. There was by um, here in Supersport Park, uh, right across the road from it, and people could see right into it. So I, I closed my windows, but I, I closed my, my curtains, but I, I put off the lights because I didn't want to think anyone would think I was mad. And then there was this music album from Vineyard Music from Canada. And they had a native Indian a song going. And um, church, I danced like a native Indian that evening. I went literally. I'm being very transparent now. I took that bucket of water. I took that towel. I went in front. I sat on my knees. I invited Jesus. And the Holy Spirit, I said, I want to wash the feet of my Lord tonight. When last did you buy our time to get into the presence of the King? It's not about spending time with him, reading your Bible, doing connects, because Marina says you have to get into a connect. People change with experience. People doesn't, don't change because the notes are sang in the wrong way. The band's not good enough. I don't care about that. I don't care about those things. Care about persons that lead that worship. If I know that they've got a relationship with Jesus, they spend time with him, I'm going to be okay with that. Should the music be good and have high standards? I think the Levites taught us that. I think we should, definitely. We're going to always esteem to that, always grow, always be better. But there's something, when I look at the tabernacle in the camp of Israel, there was sort of worship from all sides. And 
And that's one thing. We can, we can do a whole series just on the tabernacle alone. I'm not going to stick to that now. But that was sort of the way that the presence of the Lord was manifested in those days. The, the tribes came around. They had rules. There were, they were rules of engagement. There was preparation done in the way that this Holy Spirit could be set up in the right way so that people might experience His presence. Do you know how, we, how easy we have it today? Do you know how laxy-daisy we are about? I don't know if you even know if people use laxy-daisy anymore. There were ways of approaching God. That's all been done away with when Jesus came for me and for you. We can step right into it. If the worship is true, God will reveal His presence. If you're in a place where you want it in more, uh, more than anything else, He will show Himself to you. Oh, and then there's this thing of, how do we worship God? And is it music or is it dancing or is it lifestyle? And we're going to get to that. But ultimately, I want us to focus today on, on the bond servant hood that God has placed in our laps, in all of our laps. And I want to connect worship, true worship, with bond, being a bond servant with God, with you right now. So... If we look at bond servant, it's different from being a slave or just, a, or just serving or be a, being a servant in those days. See, religion and relationship is far uh, apart. There's a massive chasm between relationship and religion. Who wants to dare to give me an explanation of what it is? Maybe later, okay. So worship or sorry, relationship and religion is almost like being a slave compared to a bond servant. So a bond servant looks like this. There's, there's a place where our hearts are, are so open to the Lord. It doesn't matter what he asks of you. You'll give it. It doesn't matter what he asks of you to do. You'll do it just because. And so... There are a couple of people that introduces themselves in the New Testament because they've been called. Do you know that they don't call themselves as anything else? They introduce themselves as bond servants. When you are a slave, you are bound to do what, what your master is commanding. If you don't, there'll be penalties. But bond servanthood or being a bond servant is choosing to submit yourselves under someone else there's authority, and you lower yourself, and by choice you go, I will set myself in this way under them, and whatever they ask, I'll do. It's different. The slave is called or bought. A bondservant chooses religion and relationship. Thank you. I want you to understand this completely, because Paul introduces himself as a bondservant of Christ. Not under compulsion, not under pressure, not, not bought out of, not bought into slavery, but setting himself up as a slave. He introduces himself as the bond servant of Jesus Christ in Romans 1.1. Paul and Timothy introduces themselves as bond servants in Philippians 1.1. Can you see the, 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 what I'm trying to communicate here? James uh, he introduced himself as a bondservant of, of Christ in James 1.1. 1, 1. Simon Peter 
um, in 2 Peter 1.1. 1, 1. Jude, a bondservant of Jesus Christ, in Jude 1.1. 1, 1. See, worship is far more than just music, making it or singing it. Praise is one thing, but the true worshipers of God, in spirit and in truth, it's got nothing to do with the sound that's coming out of someone's mouth. So yes, we can sing truth, but oh, if it's not born out of that experience of Jesus, it, it doesn't count. Do you know that God can reject our worship? Do you know that? And our praises? Do you know he can say no? Do you know that, that Cain and Abel had that moment of worshiping to God? Abraham had that moment of worshiping, giving something away that's important. We've been through this last year already. True worship is putting, placing yourself in, in a bond-servant moment under Jesus Christ, the King, saying, Lord, anything you ask of me, I will do. When last were we there? When last was this church in a place where we say yes to everything that Jesus asked us? Because I have this theory, almost a fear, that we've become our own demigods in our Christianity. Setting ourselves up to be worshipped or to gather knowledge in such a manner that you will be commended for it. And that praise and worship is not yours to take. It's God's. We need to get out of the way, people. If you get too smart to worship God in in bad circumstances, I think you need to sit down and ask the Lord to teach you a couple of things. You need to go back to what it was. Visited a, an African church under a tree, almost like, I think it was 500 people sitting in 43 degrees of heat, singing songs that I could not understand all year. When I woke up there, there were other people also lying on the floor. I don't know what happened. I think it was the presence of the Lord. I think it was true worship. I didn't know a word they were singing. I know that it was about God. There was a lot of dancing. There was a lot of wor um, worship. It was over a long time, and that's not why I fell over, because the worship was four hours long. If we didn't have this, what would your worship look like? unto God. If we become judges of other people's worship, then we have set ourselves up to be judged accordingly. We should not do that. We should step away from it. So there's this verse that I want to connect with the perfect worshiper. Um, and I'm, it's, it's quite a lengthy, I'm preparing you, it's quite a lengthy piece. Uh, but it's got nothing to do with music or dancing, but it is true worship. It's almost the perfect worship for me when I look at this, and I want you to read it with me. Um, so you can go to Luke 7 in your Bibles. I'm going to give you an opportunity to go there. Luke 7. Okay, I have about 11 minutes before we finish, so please don't lose me right now. Um, this is so important. So Luke 7 is all... At the start of 36, it's all about the sinful woman being forgiven, isn't it? And it says, one of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him, and he went into the Pharisee's house and declined, reclined at table. And behold, a woman of the city, who was a sinner, 
when she learned that he was reclining at table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of, the, of, of ointment. Now listen to this. He was eating with someone else. If you invite someone to your house for dinner and someone that you don't know comes into that house, places themselves there next to the table, what will your response be? It'll be weird. I will go, hello? Who are you? I said, don't think we've been introduced. I'm the owner of this house. There's just enough food for the eight that we've invited. Amen? This is such, we, we read over it and we miss the, mo, the most incredible small detail of what's happening here. She brought an alabaster flask of ointment and standing behind him while they are eating. <laughs> this is Don't miss this. Weeping. She's crying. She doesn't even come in with alabaster or she, into a house that she's not invited to. She's crying out loud. I would go, she's mad. She began to wet his feet with her tears. How much crying was the, this lady doing? Okay. And so he was, she, and wiped it off with her hair and her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with the, with the ointment. Now, when the Pharisees who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, how many times do we do this? Even in our own worship or congregational worship or any other form of it. He said, if this, now when the Pharisees saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he's not questioning the woman, he's questioning the one that he invited. He says, um, if this man was a prophet, he would have known who and what sort of woman this is who is touching him, for she is a sinner. Because in those days, if an unclean person touched them, you'll be unclean as well. There's a whole ritual thing. And Jesus answering said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. And he answered, say it, teacher. A certain moneylender had two debtors. One owed 500 uh, denarii and the other 50. 100? 50. When they could not pay, he canceled the debt of both. Now, which of them will love him more? Sir Simon answered, the one, I suppose, for whom he canceled the larger debt. And he said to him, you have judged rightly. Then turning towards the woman, he said to Simon. So he's speaking to Simon, but he's turning his back on him, speaking to the woman right now, saying, do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water. So he's speaking to him, but looking at the woman. He's saying to Simon, I came into your house. You gave me no water. You didn't wash my feet. There was no respect. There was no honoring. Listen to this. You gave no water in my feet, but she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them off with her hair. You gave me no kiss. But from the time I came in, she has not ceased to kiss my feet. So possibly while he's speaking, she's still kissing the king's feet. I want you to hear this. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. Two different things, yeah. Therefore, I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven. She loved much. But he who is forgiven little loves little. And he said to her, your sins are forgiven. Then those who were at the table with him began to say among themselves, who is this? Who even forgives sins? And he said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. I tell you now that if you do not understand true worship, 
You will not love much. You will judge much. You'll not become a lover of people. I'm talking about the, the bad kind, the, the Jesus kind. You'll not become a lover of people and the lost. You'll become a judger of people in church and also outside. Worship, true worship. You know what, was, what is born out of it? Not criticism, not feedback. Joy, love, peace, Galatians 5. Things that love are made of. Do you know that, that there's a verse that says, um, even if I speak um, the tongues of angels, but I have no love, I am nothing? Do you know that? We can do the things of God. We can have the knowledge of Him. We can think we are something. But then we lose track of who He is as King in our lives. We lose, we lose sight of our bond servantness or hood. Whichever way you want to see that. And we become our own little gods. And I tell you now, I am tired of that. Two things. I am tired of being that. I need you to hear me right now. I'm tired of being upholding something that I wasn't given in the first place. Do you know what I've been given as the leader of this church? To lead you into experiencing and worshiping God in the way that he has, has asked you to. Not in my way. Not in our way. Yes, there are certain things that we will ask you, but, but you need to find that true worship in the, in the presence of God. And how does that happen? Oh, you give everything away. The knowledge that you have, the talent that you think you um, possess, the thing that you aspire to in Christianity, we give it away. There's nothing left. Yuan, I, I want you to come and give us a quick testimony of what you shared with us uh, in the prayer quickly. Where's the mic? Um, I want you to hear this because it, it explained exactly what I wanted to communicate this morning in such a great way. Yuan, just that picture of what you shared with us. Share that with the church. So um, they had this air show a couple of weeks ago at, at Waterloo Air Force Base, and I went with my son, and they had the show with the Gripen. Um, <clears throat> so we were standing next to the the Gripen uh, is a is a is a jet. So it's a fighter jet, and it's and it's airplane. It's fast, <laughs> and it makes a lot of noise. So we were standing next to the runway, and uh, the guy was was going past. So like above the runway, back and forth. And as you stand, so the guy comes from the one side extremely fast, and as that airplane is in front of you, you actually don't hear it. And it's almost like there's dead silence. And then when he's just past you, that sound hits you. And I, I, I was just this morning when we were praying, I, I, I was just reminded of that, and I thought, that's God's presence, right? Um, at that moment where we feel God's presence, when that wave hits you, and you realize who God actually is. Because if that thing comes past when that sound hits you, you almost feel like you want to take a step back. Um, yeah, so I think it's, a, it's, a, uh, it's almost like God's presence. At that moment when you realize who God is, it hits you, and you can't but react. And so that moment that he described there, you don't think about, I know exactly what he's speaking about. The, the overflowingness of that sound is so great 
You don't think about your phone. You don't think about the people standing next to you. You are overwhelmed just by what's happening. Do you know that we will be in heaven one day? And the, the gripe that I have with my brother-in-law, for instance, uh, won't even come up in my relationship or my conversation with the That just his presence. Oh. I get so confused there. You know me about that, eh? That's the only moment you know I'm blonde, eh? Is that, where was I now? In heaven. Okay. <laughs> what? I didn't hear it? Yeah, together. And so, we'll not be in heaven one day, um, uh, moaning about our spouses and what they've done wrong to God. His glory is so big, none of that would matter. It'll erase everything that we think we are, knew about him, we will be on the floor. It'll be like a 10-ton truck hit you, and then hitting you over and over and over, and you and I will know there's no sin in him, and so there can no be, there be no sin standing in his presence. We'll be lying down. I want to reestablish worship in our church. I want to reestablish what God has called us for. Oh, and Belinda's going to do a great job next week. She's going to shake this church. She is a weird one in the spirit. You think I'm weird. Oh, but she brings something so pure to the table when it comes to that. She's going to teach you how to sing, how to dance, how to clap. No, don't not come now. It's not going to be embarrassing. We're going to invite you to it. It's going to be really amazing. Don't miss it. Invite someone. She's got the knowledge of worship that you, oh, she has a, a whole couple of years on me. Um, just, just because of what she's done and, and in what um, ethnicities and, and different languages she's done it in. It's amazing. And then we're going to have an encounter Sunday in early November where we're going to experience God's presence while we're just worshiping. It's going to be a worship event. Oh, we're going to sing. It's going to be lovely. But today, I want to leave two things with you. Bond servant and the perfect worshiper. She gave everything away. It should have cost her everything she owned to buy that ointment to pour over Jesus' head. I want you to hear me right now. She decided to give it all away. She didn't care what people was thinking. She didn't care about the setting. We're so, we're so well-mannered about settings, aren't we? Well, that's not appropriate. I know. Jesus received that gift as more, as bigger, as more worthy than the guy who invited her, him into his house for lunch, for dinner. There's something that God wants to establish in our hearts and our spirits, which is deeper than just the music that we listen to, the way that we've been brought up, the things that we might know about him in worship. God wants to be setting himself up to be the king of your heart, the king of your soul, the king of your mind, your strength, 
your finances, your family, your future. He wants it all. He doesn't want parts of it. He wants all. God is a great shaker. You know, he doesn't shake lost people. He saves them. Oh, but he shakes believers. Do you know why? He's testing you. He's, he's preparing you. He's wanting to know what's in it. When we were kids, we would shake Coca-Cola uh, bottles and we'll open it and show our friends what happens when you shake it. Things come out. The hotness of that Coca-Cola would, would pour out. Every little part of that's not Coca-Cola would friction to get against each other and it will come out. God's doing the same with us. God did the same with Jesus in that 40, day, 40 days. He also, also did it with a, with a, a mild um, added temptation to that from the devil. You will be tempted. As a believer, you'll, you'll be shaken. You'll be stirred. You'll be turned around. You go, God, I thought I just had. I thought our relationship was good, Lord. What was happening now? Why is it all? I'm all confused here. You rearranged the... The, the furniture in my house. What happened? Why are you doing this? I thought it was order. I thought you loved me. I thought it was for me. I thought you were for me. I thought it was because you wanted me to have a lot of money. I thought uh, you wanted me to, to be known. I thought you wanted me to climb that ladder. And God said, no, I want you to worship me as king. I want you to be subordinate, bondservant, disciple. I want you to be set apart. And whatever Paul, James, Simon, Jude understood of this, their introduction was exactly the same thing. I sort of dislike people who introduce themselves with a title. I'm not, if you're a doctor, you're a doctor, great. I'm glad for you. It took a long time. I, if you want me to call you doctor, I will. If you want me to call you prophet, I, I possibly, I might. If you want me to, to call you um, teacher, up, I don't know if I'd do that, though. I think it's less about the title of what God has called you to than the manner of. Do you know that Paul and Silas were sitting in jail, being flogged till they bled and broke bones, placed in jail? And that Acts verse says what? At midnight, they were praying and singing songs of praise unto God. If you hit me once, I think I'll think out a possible excuse not to even pitch up for work. There was a rhythm inside of them of prayer and worship in such a manner that had nothing to do with the new CD that's coming out of whoever is singing it. Their praise and worship came out of a place of the knowledge of Christ and the truth of it. And it bottled ate like a Coca-Cola being shaken. And now I use it in the, quite the opposite manner than I wanted to explain. But We have five minutes, and I'm going to pray over us, and I want you to pray with me. 
We're going to see what happens. While your eyes are closed, if there's any of this that offended you, I'm so grateful. If there's any of this that you don't agree with, I'm thankful for that. Because not only do I not know everything, you also see God from a different viewpoint as me. But there is something that we call truth in the Word of God. And it cuts through bone and marrow. It brings truth into our lives. And you know how the, what's the quickest way of us growing in the Spirit? is repentance. Some of us have been worshiping God in the wrong way. Some of us have been judging yourself, others, the church, and non-believers in the wrong way. Some of us have not been in that secret place for a very long time. Some of us have experienced it. Some of us have not even experienced when God's presence comes into true worship, where we give everything away. And this morning, I want you to connect with the King. I want you to see the throne room. I want you to see the throne. I want you to see Jesus sitting with the crown on his head. He is the King. I want you to hear the the angels of God flying around the throne going, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. I want you to see Jesus coming out of, of of that cloud in and out as the evangelist. And I see, I want you to experience the Holy Spirit in your heart, connecting with Him, nothing else matters. It's not about that. Do you know we will not need the gifts of the Holy Spirit in heaven? Do you know the gifts of the Holy Spirit is given to us on earth? Because we don't have the full picture of God currently. It's our way of communicating. It's our way of of ministering. It's our way of showing God's power to the unbelievers. Do you know what's interesting? When believers start bickering about the gifts among each other and forgetting that there's lost people. Do you know that believers hold up high their gifts and they flaunt them as if they've given it to themselves? That stops today. That will not be the measure and the manner of our church and our movement. If God works through us, it's grace. When God saves someone through you, it's grace. When God speaks through us, it's grace. When God uses you, it's grace. And the praise and the worship goes back to the king. Lord, we are reestablishing your kingship in our church. I want to come and bow my knee in front of you, Lord. And I want to say, I am sorry that we've done it the wrong way. Everything that we are, you have given to us. Nothing that is made today has not been made by you. 
You own everything in the world. You own above it and beyond it. Everything that we know. Our existence is futile and minor in front of you. We are small. Lord, I pray that we will set ourselves according to that. And we will bow to the King of Kings in this morning. You are our King. And we are your bondservants. We want to do everything that you want us to do. We don't want to be agreeable. We want to give everything away. So that you might be glorified, praised, and worshipped.